space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And this week, we're talking about the next Barclay episode, but we've we've jumped over a Voyager now. We've run out of his next-gen appearances. Um, yeah. We've got um, a, a Voyager one, but it's uh, this is a, this is good for us hologram hologram. Do you want to do the few bits of news that we've got? Yeah, yeah. Give us the news again. Now we jump into it. We got we got a few bits of news this last week. Go on then. So, so again, I've we, missed this. I'm obviously. Um, well, our mate John Delancey has been tweeting again. Oh right, there you go. About then. What, about Picard. So it's an official source. So we don't mind these spoilers. Mm-hmm. But it's um. He's let it out the bag that we're going to have data coming back in Picard. Has he? I saw. Yeah. It, I it, did see something, but it, I didn't it's, click it's on interesting. it. It's interesting because he's tweeted that he's looking forward to um, doing his scenes with data. Right. And normally, John, Del- and he's actually, and he specifically said the character name. And why it's interesting is that like, you've got to think, oh, well, it's Audrey Brent Spiner. Actually playing data mm. is John Delancey calls everyone by the real name normally. Right. It's okay. like I've been I've been working with Patrick again. Right, and uh, so he's it not was great said to have Rakes directing. So he's not said <laughs> yeah, Brent. But he's, he's, deliber- said... he's deliberately said, I'm not filming with Brent, or I'm not filming with Spiner. I'm filming with data. Right. I wonder if it's either one or two things. Either um, CBS uh, are feeding him this stuff and saying, put this out, or we want you to let this slip. Either that, or he's, he's just, he's like the the Matt Ruffalo of the, the Star Trek universe, and he's just letting stuff out that he shouldn't be letting <laughs> out. But, um, yeah, interesting. Um, well, well um, the Marvel Universe, did it, the Marvel University did it with Tom Holland, didn't they? Because yeah. Tom Holland had a rep for letting things slip. Yeah. So Marvel deliberately give him things that he could let slip. Yeah, exactly. Sort uh, of, and I, I think that he's doing it so often now that CBS must be letting him do this. Yeah, I think they must be doing it. I hope they are because I don't want him getting in trouble with them. But... Um... Yeah. You see, no, I, I don't. I saw a thing that said about data and I just thought... I thought, oh, it'll be one of these, like, giant freaking robot or whatever, you know, these sites that always yeah. just make things up, so I ignored it, but I didn't know it had come from um, come from Delancey yeah, himself. Yeah, it's actually so. come from Delancey himself, and it's right. interesting because of how he talks about everyone, that yeah. he specifically called him Data. And yeah. also, Mike McMahon did an interview yeah. last week. Uh, he hasn't really let anything slip about Lower Decks. Just that um, they're well on with season two and season three. But it has said that um, the story with Boimler, how he's off on the Titan with mm-hmm. uh, Riker and that, that um, sort of arc, little arc will be tied up very early on in season two. 
That doesn't surprise Which me. I, I, think we all, I think we all suspected it'd happen anyway that he didn't. Yeah, I think Boimler will get himself sacked off the Titan really quickly. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I do. Um, he also said that um, he hasn't mentioned anyone, but he said that uh, they are going to be uh, quite a number of legacy characters coming Excellent. up in season two and season three, but not necessarily the legacy characters that you might expect. Uh-huh. Well, I'm hoping for more Which, more DS9 characters to because it's the right yeah, time I'm period. Thinking, yeah, I'm thinking DS9 and and that sort of thing. It's yeah, I'd like to see that. Not, well, not we, having your Captain Picard, not having your your Q's turn up, but yeah, like maybe you get your Beverly Crushes in there or your Doctor Bashir. Or yeah, Doctor Bashir would be awesome and. Esri Dax and everything. Yeah, I definitely want to see some DS9. Let, let's get a bit let's get a bit of uh, Garrick. Oh, Garrick, he needs his own. Because everyone loves a bit of Garrick. Yeah. I I reckon because Andy Robinson loves Garrick so much. I reckon well, if he's they wrote a book himself. Exactly. <laughs> so I reckon if they said big budget Garrick miniseries, he'd be all over it. Or oh. it Oh, what about Garak and Bashir Section 31 series, Obsidian <laughs> Order Section 31 miniseries, and it's just proper espionage with Alexander Siddig and Andy Robinson? I think that would be phenomenal. But the great. Well, we did, uh, didn't we? We did the uh, Bashir one. What was it? Um... Oh, we looked at the Dr. Bashir, I presume. No, no, sorry. We looked at the... What is the name of the episode? I can't believe that. I can't think... Is it Dr. Bashir? No, because that's the later one where you find out. Dr. Bashir, I presume, is... uh, Is where you find out that he's augmented. Yeah, it is. Um, Armand Bashir. There you go. That's the one we did. I can't believe yeah, I didn't come Because we got a gr- we got great stuff with them being spies in that one. Exactly. I'd be well up for it. But anyway, so... Yeah, let's sell it to CBS. Let's make yeah, some... Yeah, there we go. Change. Give us a ring, CBS. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we'll come up with ideas. We've got... This is our, what, 103rd, 104th episode, and I'm sure we've come up with an idea for a show in just about every single one. So, <clears throat> you know, if you need ideas, give us a call. Um, so yeah, we're going to look at. Must be good. Yeah, you'd think. Uh, we're going to look at projections, and we're going to look at the final episode of our prelude to the Dominion War, um, Shadow Play from DS Nine. But first up, projections from Voyager. Then, and this is another one of these weird ones where it's officially season two of Voyager. It's officially sort of episode three of season two, but it's totally not. It was one of the four that they held over from season one. So this is technically a first season episode, but to all intents and purposes, it always appears as a season two episode, unless you've got the UK VHS releases from way back when it first came out. Um, So it's a Doctor episode. And yeah, I think it's a pretty good one. Like we, we start with him... He appears, he does his police state the nature of the medical emergency. Uh, but the the Dewey, you can tell it's going to be a weird episode straight away because the lighting, we've got the spooky, sinister lighting, which we usually get when the ship's <laughs> being taken over by something. Um, so you know yeah. straight off the bat that it's not normal this time. Yeah, red alert's going off, isn't it? Yeah. 
and you've got him, the ship's empty, the warp cards online. And I like um, how you get the thing where he's talking to the computer. Major Barrett, they get the money's worth out of her in this episode. She's having to do a lot of oh. computer computer talking. And he's he's trying to work it all out. So, no, the ship, the, the crew's not here, blah, blah, blah. And I like the Doctor's attitude's just, oh, well, my job's done then, so I'll turn myself off. <laughs> Like, it, I think because it's early, Doctor, I'd, later on, I don't think he'd uh, he'd have done that. He'd have been like, right, well, I'm going to carry on the ship back to the Alpha Quadrant or whatever, but... Well, well, by later on, he'd uh, come up with the emergency command holographic... Yeah, job, exactly. He'd, he'd have been in his element <laughs> if it, this had have happened later on. But, um, but yeah, Season 1 Doctor's like, oh, well, I ain't got a purpose anymore, so I might yeah. as well... Um, I might as well, well turn if myself no off. One to, if there's no one to treat, no medical emergency, that's me done. Exactly. Um, and But obviously he gets interrupted by Balana, so Balana turns up and she tells us that the Kazon have attacked. So, again, we can tell this is season one Voyager because we're still taking the Kazon seriously as a threat. This is like the Kazon have invaded, they've taken over the whole ship, they've got, you know... So we're still meant to be a little bit scared of them, and yeah, yeah, we've covered the case. Yeah, the case on, on just yeah, the case on didn't work. They didn't, uh, but at this point we're still pretending they did. So um, you get a lot of sort of preempting what we're going to get later on, really, because it's Bilana says, "Oh, we found a way to send you to the bridge, and we've put these remote projectors and." She reels off this list of this is where we've put the remote projectors. They're on the bridge. They're in the Met Hall. And as she was reeling them off, I'm like, oh, so you've put the remote projectors in all the standing sets then that you you have on your yeah. studio lot every week, <laughs> but you've not put it in any of the sets that you have to build specially. So that's quite quite handy, really. <laughs> that was handy. Yeah, especially if you're doing a, a bottle episode where you don't want to go beyond the, the normal sets. Uh, and Bilana in this bit, she also says something about recrystallizing dilithium, and I thought we couldn't do that. Because um, there's... A... Voyager has a different warp core, and Voyager's warp core can recrystallize dilithium. Well, yeah, Voyager's warp core is like a lava lamp. Whereas TNGs is yeah, a load no, of LEDs. I, um, I was <laughs> reading something, uh, or I was researching something the other day, and I was reading about the Voyager warp core, and it's a different. It's completely different to what they had in right. Next okay, gen. so we can recrystallize the Voyager warp. The Voyager warp core, by the technical specifications, can recrystallize right. lithium. But isn't that the whole thing in Star Trek Four? Is like we can't. Yes, but we're a hundred years in the future years from on. there. Okay. Of the, the, like, Voyager's warp car obviously has the equivalent of a USS nuclear submarine. Right, nuclear okay. Aircraft carrier. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. they, they so must have based it on. Dilithium. Yeah, when Kirk filed his report for Star Trek IV, they must have thought, that's yeah. a good idea, we'll, we'll do that. Um, so, Doctor, he jumps around a bit, he goes to the bridge and meets Janeway, but then. He ends up at the the mess hall, and you've got this weird thing with Neelix, where Neelix is like taunting this Kazon. He's like, "What's it like to stare death in the face, Kazon?" <laughs> and all of this business. <laughs> 
which is very un sort of Neelix like, but I've got a bit of a um, theory now. To be fair, it's I think it's sort of very early Neelix, mm. so, and I'm talking like the first episode Neelix when they yeah get, yeah when he he goes down to save Kesson, he is sort of like well we need to be ready to attack the case. Well, he's a bit more capable before they made him sort of the buffoon. Yeah, maybe. See, my theory was because we. We sort of find out in this episode that the Doctor seems to have a thing about Kez. And I'm wondering, because, you know, obviously, spoilers, um, it turns out it's all sort of in the Doctor's mind. So I was wondering maybe if he's got this thing about Kez and Neelix is, well, again, we've talked about exactly what their relationship is and it's weird, but maybe he sees Neelix as a threat because Neelix is with Kez. And so in his subconscious, you've got this Neelix who's sort of intimidating and frightening Possibly. in a way. I don't know, but that, that was the only way in yeah, my head I could justify yeah, Neelix being it, dead hard. Yeah, it, 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 like, from the problem we I think we've got with watching some of these earlier episodes is that we've also watched all of the others, yeah, so definitely. we know what Neelix is like. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it doesn't seem in character. And to be fair, it's probably not in character here. So you could be re- you could be right there. That is, it's the, the Doctor w- thinks of him <coughs> as a, a rival, or yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's how I justify it in my head, anyway. And the, when the Doctor's approaching, so you get this. Quite a cool, like, camera shot following him through the mess hall and everything, but it's always really tickled me, like, the way he sort of crawls through that beam. Like, there's a gap in the beam round the edge, and he sort of does this, like, army commando crawl through it. And I don't know, <laughs> it just... You know, Robert Picardo's a great actor and everything, but I, he just doesn't look like a commando crawl kind of guy. No. Uh, it just... Oh. Lo- Looks a bit a bit weird, a bit out of place, but anyway. And it all ends up then with the Doctor bleeding, and this is where we get this thing of, is he real, what's going on, and there's no record of him on file and yeah, everything. Yeah, and, and he's sort of, he's, Yeah, and he's asking the computer, is my uh, programme being altered? Yeah, and see, this is weird, and we'll, we'll get on to this it's, stuff later on. It's with, very... Like, you get all this stuff, like when he's going to destroy the Hollow Matrix, and it's kind of going back to, like, shipping a bottle from TNG. It's like, if he destroys the Hollow Matrix, but he's in a program, it's not going to do anything. And it seems weird that the Doctor seems to think that it will, and Barclay kind of calls it out a little bit and says, no, it's, it's a program within a program, which obviously Barclay would know a lot about, yeah, but... It's saying, oh, I was reading about this, and I can't remember the name of the psychologist. It's an 18th century psychologist, and they came up with a thing of this. And it's sort of, um, are you? Re- it's the whole thing is examining reality. Oh, are yeah, you real yeah, yeah. or are you make believe? Yeah, it's like this thing of they reckon that it's pretty much a coin toss as to whether this is real or whether this is a simulation, and. There's no yeah. way to prove it either way. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, 
So we find this is where we get the name Lewis Zimmerman for the first time. And that actually, it's not. Oh, is it not? Go on then. No, I would. I would. I, would, I have actually read quite a lot on this episode because I wanted to. I was looking for something else, and in early UK adverts for Voyage before it came out, yeah. the Doctor was listed as Doctor Zimmerman. He was. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting the so, the Star Trek magazine, and it said Doc Zimmerman yeah. as the. Yeah, character. It, it, it's, on a, it's in a, it's in one uh, one magazine and one actual TV advert that appeared on right. UK TV. Then it's go. Dr. Zimmerman. So right, I'll rephrase it then. So this, this is, is the third This is this is the first time within the show then that we we yeah. get it. And you're right, yeah. Well that's that, I thought that was my interest one of my interesting facts of No, it is, yeah, and no, I do remember the the magazine now because it was yeah. it was so different to like how it is now. Like we've talked about prodigy and everything and we still know next to nothing about it. Whereas back then it was like we've got this new series coming called Voyager, here's a magazine that tells you everything about all the characters and it were like Ah, oh, so there wasn't that much of a surprise yeah. when we actually got it, apart from yeah, the Doctor not being I, called Zimmerman. To be fair, you, you're saying that, but if you think about it, you read there was a bit of a backstory about each character, the gods be heroic, and yeah. Tom Paris is the, pi- the dashing pilot who had with a criminal back history, but you didn't get a lot, but that's all you got. True. You didn't get, like, you didn't get the magazine came out, and then a day later, YouTube YouTube exploded with True. a thousand uh, pages have gone on of uh, oh this speculation about what that means. Yeah, you've got you, one, you're right. Actually, one thing that was it, and you uh, you had to think <laughs> yourself about it rather than yeah, um, yeah. And, and maybe and maybe sit down and talk with your mates about it. Very true. Yeah. Well, thank goodness we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I know. Well, they've done away with that, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, so then you get the quite cool bit where Janeway shuts, says, "Shut down all the holo- holograms," and everybody disappears except the Doctor, which kind of ties into the next episode we're looking at as well. And then this is where we get Barclay, and so it's really good to see Barclay again. <laughs> I have a massive, massive problem with this. Go on. Barclay shouldn't be there. Okay. Because, right, um, it says that Barclay is Dr. Zimmerman's assistant yeah. who worked on the EMH. Now, we know for a fact that Barclay was on board the Enterprise from 2366 till at least 2370. Is that when first contact took place? No, 2370 is when... Um, Oh, the last episode where we looked at um, Genesis. Genesis, right. But he's still on it in First Contact. Exactly, which is 2373. Right, okay. Voyager launched in 2371. Ah, so, so yeah. And, and, and you've got... And I've, I've looked this up this afternoon because it's been really bugging me. When was he there? And there's actually two official canon <laughs> things. And one of the canon sources says... At 2370, he transferred uh, off the Enterprise to Jupiter Station, worked on this project, then he transferred in 
2373 back to the Starship Enterprise. And then the other uh, canon source says that up until 2373, um, Reg Barkley was still under the command of uh, Captain Picard on the Enterprise E, just uh, transferred after the cross to the other. Right, there we go then. But, <laughs> both are canon. <laughs> but do we get confirmation in this episode, in the in the real world part of this episode, that Barclay's actually Zimmerman's assistant? Or is it only in no, the delusion part? Well, it's only in this delusion part, but why would he pull up Reg Barclay? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, of the and how would he get him it, so uh, exact? And, uh, like, it, it, there's canon sources that um, Dr. Zimmerman... He transferred to Jupiter Station in 2361. Mm-hmm. And from the mid-2360s, he was working on the EMH. Right. So, yeah, Barclays. Uh, so, mm. for Barclay to be a major part of it is his assistant and in the programme. Because he must be embedded in the programme somewhere for the Doctor he to mu- Yeah, he absolutely must be. Uh, and you're it's right. like, why would you be? You're right. It doesn't it don't stack up, does it? It's... Yeah, I suppose uh, originally, originally the part was written when the script was first written. It was going to be George LaForge. That makes more sense. Yeah, there. But even then, where would he have been at Jupiter Station? Mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, yeah it don't the, work. They decided that Reg Barkley would be an interesting character to have in, which he is. But the timing doesn't, and he is an interesting character, and I love him being in it. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense time-wise. Of You're right, it doesn't. I've not thought about it. How he it. served on the Enterprise all this time, but at the same time was Dr. Zimmerman's assistant on <laughs> Jupiter's station. Maybe he's just pulling double duty, who knows? But um, I'm just trying to think if there's any way we could... Ah, maybe after the Enterprise D gets destroyed, he worked as Zimmerman's assistant until the Enterprise E got commissioned... Enterprise D got destroyed in 2372. Right, so he, he could have still done so it. that doesn't work out. Oh, no, because right. Voyager launched in 2371. Yep, okay, fair enough. Don't it, work. It, it doesn't. <laughs> You're right, it doesn't. Okay, so um, they say that they can end the programme, but they can reset the programme. And so you get a quite cool bit where we revisit the first episode again. So you get the Doctor from when he first turn, gets turned on. And like where he says, Doctor, are you going to help this man? And he's like, no, I'm not. And goes off. So I enjoy all that <laughs> stuff. That's really good for <coughs> And that that's when he starts to think that he's real. And, and I like that Janeway thinks that Barkley and the Doctor must have brought them to the Delta Quadrant. And she's like yeah. starting to think they're they're involved with it all, which from her point of view makes sense, but it makes for quite a funny a funny scene and everything. And <clears throat> this is where you get to this thing about he's gonna destroy the hollow matrix, which doesn't really make sense because Barkley's seen you destroy the hollow matrix and that'll make all the holograms disappear. But if he's in a program, he's destroying the holo matrix in and the program. And then you'll be out of the holo. And then you'll be out. Yeah, but yeah, uh, and it says that to do it, you've got to destroy the warp core. Yeah, that it doesn't really. Like I, I think I like I think 
think how this is, you, I think you meant to think that there's jeopardy to Voyager itself. Yeah, I think you meant to the think that. Car. Uh, or I wonder if that, I wonder if he, uh, I wonder if he does that and it crashes and it does crash the program. If he's in danger of deleting himself by shutting the program down. Maybe, but then they don't make that abundantly clear because... They don't. But in order to make that clear, they would have to show the hand a little bit too soon (coughs) and say definitively the Doctor is real. So, So you would have had to have had a scene set outside of it Maybe with the crew observing it, saying, oh, if he does that, he'll delete himself, but he doesn't yeah. know and we can't tell him. But then that... Yeah, uh, but you don't <coughs> get any of that. No, that, but they obviously want to keep us completely in the Doctor's point of view for this episode. So you don't get Which that is, external uh, like, view on it. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's really interesting with it, but only seeing it from the Doctor's view that yeah, the, you, you don't, don't have the crew sort of looking in on it. You're right, you don't get the jeopardy. But it's and... sort of like, well, Barclay's telling him that to, to break the hologram, he has to break, destroy the warp car. But what's the actual jeopardy? Yeah, there, there isn't any. I suppose the only way it'd be jeopardy is if we thought that he's actually on the real Voyager and he's going to destroy the real ship by doing that. But I think by this point in yeah. the episode, we, we're way past that. We don't think that's what's going on. No, we don't think that at all. Um, there's quite a cool sort of fake-out at the end where he wakes up and the clue's there because he wakes up on a, a bio-bed and it's like, well, he wouldn't. That That doesn't make any sense. But well, I think the way the episode does it, you could fall for it if you didn't know what was coming. But Yeah, like, to be fair, watching it again, and watching it the first time round again, because it is a long time since yeah. I've watched this, it's sort of like, oh, they've got him out, and, and it plays like it's all over. Yeah, it does, and it, it's very well and... done. And I think it makes it even cleverer, the fact that the clue is there by showing him waking up. But yeah. you, you don't question it until you, you know what the it. twist's going to be. So, yeah. yeah, very well done. And I think Jennifer Lean acts it really, really well, where she seems like normal Kez, and then she turns and she's like, what, you don't love me? And you realise yeah, he's still inside like, it. Like, you think, like, he said, Dante, that you're beautiful, Kez, and all that. Yeah. And she's all, almost playing it like she's like she's having a bit of a wind-up and dig at him, like, oh, so you think I'm beautiful yeah. and all that. And then it, it turns, and all of a sudden it's, oh, he's still inside it, and yeah. your Barkley turns up again and everything. So, yeah, really well done, the end of it. And then, obviously, he does come back to the real, real world again, and he's talking about why it's happened and everything, and there's a funny bit where Kez says, well, don't tell Neelix about it, about me being <laughs> your wife in the the alternate version. Um, and there's a good bit where he checks that he can't leave sick bay, and it's almost well, like... Well, she has a bit of... She does have a bit of a wind-up with him, doesn't she, and all that, and, like, well, I, are we real? Yeah. And all that, and, make, and makes him... And has him sort of second-guessing why he does it, so she does a bit of a wind-up on yeah, it, and it which is, that... is what we'd had the first time yeah. fake wake-up. And it, it's like you said about this idea of is it real, is it a simulation, and the Doctor kind of tries it out for himself. And it's interesting <laughs> that 
he's comforted by the fact that he is a hologram in this and it what what is really interesting about this is that the the this is the first time I think they absolutely nail it what should happen when a hologram leaves the holiday. Yes, yeah. And his hand and, and you see his his hand moving through the, the edge of the holographic simulation and vanishing. Yeah. As it moves and then it and then it comes back again. And that's how it should work. You shouldn't have snowballs being thrown. No, that. you shouldn't. And, and you, you shouldn't, shouldn't have uh, holographic characters walking off the holodeck and slowly vanishing from the yeah. from the feet upwards. Yeah, <laughs> they don't they don't dissolve when they come out of the holodeck. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so it's only took seven seasons of TNG, three seasons of DS9, and one season of Voyager. But we've got there. <laughs> we've done it. Yeah. But, but I, I do, I, and it is something that stands out because it's like. And it's probably overlooked by a lot of people. Just what a lovely effect! That oh, it's is. great, yeah. And that they and that they got it right. Exactly. They treat it like a holo, a holodeck. Yeah, it is done really well. Um, so yeah, that's that's projections. Then I like that episode. I think that's a good. I like this episode. Apart from it, I I don't think I like Barkley. Yeah. But I don't think Barkley should have been the character that was used. No, it do, you're right. It doesn't. I've not but, thought about it enough, but it could, doesn't make sense. They but. could have maybe brought. Um, oh, what was the name? Who was in um, Q Who? The first time they met the Borg. That sort of that sort of fancy Georgian threw hot chocolate oh, over the captain. Some, loud cups of hot chocolate in and, and some Gomez. Yeah, she'd have been a good one to bring in. Yeah. That, that would have been oh, she good. got kicked off because we don't see her again. No. Oh, well, she got moved. She got transferred to Jupiter Station and she <clears throat> Yeah, someone where there's been a bit of time for it to actually actually happen. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. sense. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll give it a pass, though, because it, it gives us more Barkley to talk about. Yeah, yeah. We, I enjoy Barkley. Don't get me wrong. And I like seeing Barkley, and I think Barkley is good in the episode. It just shouldn't have been here no, because of the time. Right. <laughs> uh, so moving on to Shadow Play then from DS9. So this is this is the last of the build-up to the Dominion War. Uh, but I know the war's not declared until later on, but we're actually gonna get the actual Dominion soon. But this is this is the last <laughs> one of actually setting it the up. The last time where they just hinted at. <laughs> yeah, the last time we just get a random mention of them. And it's it's a funny old episode, this one. Like I, I only ever remember the the main the A plot, but this is one of those rare episodes where we get an A plot, a B plot, and a C plot, and the yeah, there's quite mixed, a bit going on, isn't there? Mixed returns, I think, from the different storylines, but we'll we'll get into them. So the the A plot then is Dax and Odo are in the Gamma Quadrant. And they find a planet. But before that, we get this bit where Dax is kind of winding Odo up, talking to him about possible romance and everything. And there's uh, uh, someone on the station who fancies Odo, apparently. And <clears throat> Odo's playing it all like, oh, I'm not interested in all that stuff and blah, 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 blah. But we... Yeah, and women don't find me interesting and all that. And but, they're not interested in me. And, well, what about Loxana Troy? Loxana Troy was all over him. Yeah. And that was only in season one. And also, I think he's protesting a bit too much because even at this point, as the viewers, we know that he's in Akira. Yeah. 
So I think he's I, th- I think he's trying to he's fibbing a little bit his odor there. Yeah, he's definitely fibbing. He maybe doesn't fancy this woman back himself. No, no, yeah, yeah I don't think he's interested in I, her. I, but I don't. I don't think we see any on-screen evidence of this happening, though, do we? No, I don't think we do. I think it's just a bit of a throwaway we, thing. Uh, DS9's yeah. good with that. Like they, they often mention, is it Captain Baudet, who's apparently a, yeah. a lover of Nazis and he's got a see-through skull, but we, we never actually get to see him, but he's mentioned a lot. Yeah. So they beam down to oh, the planet. Captain, Bo- Captain Baudet just left yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And oh, you were out with Captain Baudet a few days ago, but he's yeah. Um, so anyway, they get they beam down to the planet. They get rumbled by a guy with a gun, and then back on the station, we get the B plot introduced, which is now that Odo's away, Quark thinks he can get away with a few more things, but Kira's keeping an eye on him, and. I like how everyone else gives Quark a bit more leeway, but Kira never does. Kira, like, he says, yeah. you, you don't like me, and she's like, no, I despise you. You were a collaborator with the Cardassians. You're always up Was to something. Like, let's be... I, I think Kira is really unfair on Quark. Mm, yeah, like, I think... We know that, we know that Quark... Quark isn't a collaborator because Quark has not, isn't Bajoran. No. Quark is a businessman who's been, who's got permission to have a bar on this space yeah. station. A collaborator is a Bajoran who helps the Cardassians. Yeah, or someone who actively helps the Cardassians, whereas I think yeah. Quark just Quark, will have run his business. Has been, we've already had proof already in DS9 that Quark quite regular helped um, Bajorans. Yeah, he did. Giving them jobs and giving charity and yeah. smuggling things for them. And I so think I think Kira is really unfair on Quark. I think in Kira's eyes, unless you were actively part of the Bajoran militia, you were a collaborator. And I, I yeah. think she mellows a bit in that opinion over the course of the series, but I think that's where she's at in these early days. And I think she is very militant about it. And she just doesn't like Quark yeah, for uh, a, a variety of yeah, reasons. But, but like, like, let's be fair, like, Quark's been a bit sl- slimy towards her at times, but he's never done anything that warrants her, her attitude towards it. I think she's very unfair. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think the worst thing he's done to this point is in that episode where the guy tries to steal Dax's symbiont and it's Quark that's let him on the shit on the station. So I think that's probably the worst thing that he's done. Yeah. But um yeah. Um so then we get introduced to the C plot of the episode, which <clears throat> To be honest, barely read. It only gets a few minutes of screen time across the whole episode, but we're here to be complete, so we will mention it. Cisco wants Jake to work with O'Brien because he expects him to go to Starfleet Academy, and that's as little C story for the episode. And not much happens with it, to be honest, does it? We get a little bit of back and forth with yeah, it. Yeah, it's it, so, yeah, I, I. 
we get a little bit of back and forth, but it 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 sets up that um, once and for all that Jake doesn't want to join yeah. Starfleet. And I think that is an important plot point because it opens up new avenues of the the Star Trek universe. Like up until this point, you could pretty much assume that every human wants to be in Starfleet because we very rarely see anybody who isn't. Well, well, we've all. Up until DS9, we've only been based on exactly. uh, Federation starships. So that this like, is... Even with, even with Next Gen, with the families. Yeah. You had, like, Wesley, I want to be in Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> and all that. And there were... The, it, the families expected the next kids to... Yeah, exactly. And and this is it. This is showing Jake isn't Wesley Crusher. Yeah, he's going to do something yeah. different. So it's yeah, it's fine for what it does and everything, but it seems a bit crammed but in this what episode. I do, what I do like about it is that he also appreciates that he doesn't take out one chief O'Brien. Yeah. At all. He still tries to do what he's meant to be doing. Yeah. But he has it out with his dad and he goes, Look, being in Starfleet is too much like being you. I want to be my own man. Yeah. I don't want to join Starfleet, which is fine. Yeah, and and Cisco is fine with it, but Jake is still happy that he realizes that even though he doesn't want to be in Starfleet, having some work experience is still useful and gets yeah, him that's it. Like he doesn't being in the real world and he's yeah, he doesn't say still, I'm not going to be in Starfleet, so I'm not going to study or anything. He's like, no, I'm doing the job, yeah. and I still need to learn all this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still going. To, I'm still studying. I, I still realise my education's important. Mm-hmm. I realise doing this is important, but as my actual end job, I don't know what I actually want to be yet. But I don't want to be a Starfleet officer. Yeah, no, it, it is well handled and it's good. It just it may be a little bit overcrowded this episode. I I feel like this one. Is they just they didn't put enough meat on the bones of the A story, so we end up with a B story and a C story going on as well. Yeah. Whereas I think we could have done more. Like it starts off with an interesting hook to it, which is these twenty-two people have gone missing, and you get this guy who's called the Protector, who's actually a bit useless because he's like, "Oh, you two are my my best suspects, and now you're saying you you didn't do it. So what am I?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really nifty the way Odo goes, look, I'll prove we could get away, and he beams himself up and back down again. Yeah. I really like that bit. <laughs> they should do stuff like that more often just to freak people out, to go, you know, this is what, we, what we're capable of. Um, and Odo, obviously, being an investigator, gets involved with it. And this is where I think they could have done more with this story. You could have had more about Odo looking into things and questioning people and you know, someone else disappearing and it getting a bit more sinister and everything. But we we actually go through the motions of it pretty quickly. Like, he meets the little girl, Taya, and he questions her and everything. Yeah, like, to be fair, you can see why you could solve this so quickly. Yeah. When no one's ever left the village. Yeah, it's it's very like the Truman Show, isn't it? It's like, oh, nobody's ever, yeah. you know, in the Truman Show where they, they put him off ever leaving and, you know, he, he says, I want to be an explorer, and they go, too late, everywhere's been explored, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's a very similar thing, like, no, no one ever leaves the village. 
Oh, like the other one, that M. Night Shyamalan village. But obviously that's a, a different twist in that. But um, yeah, anyway. So back to the B story then. Kira, I like that Kira asked Bashir to spy on um, Quark. And he's like, oh, Garak's been <laughs> teaching me. You see, this is our spin-off series. It's all it there. It's all ready. Um, and then Barail turns up. Now, I think this is the first time on the podcast we've talked about Barail. I just find him boring. Yeah, I think he, he is boring. He's really he, dull. He talks boring. He does. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a priest, isn't he? Yeah. And I think he plays being a priest really well. Because I find, I'm not religious, and I find like what you see a priest quite boring. Yeah, it's kind of apart what from you, on far, apart from Father Ted. Yeah, Father Ted's different, and <laughs> yeah, the you know what priests get up to in their private lives we won't discuss on this podcast. But um, yeah, I I agree with you. He's got this sort of air of a religious person who that's all that they're interested in, and it's really yeah. dull. And they try and move away from that in this episode by going, oh, it's really into spring ball and all this stuff. But, but it, it just doesn't... I don't I, I don't... I I don't know if they actually know other things, but it just comes across as, like, with the spring ball, that like, is not being interested in yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Like, it's, <coughs> it does it, but it doesn't, ha- it doesn't sound enthusiastic about things. No. And... Okay, it's a good-looking guy, so you can see why Kira might fancy him. Yeah. But, but surely as soon as she spoke to him, she must think... That's it. Well, it's, really? It's not his personality, is it? And, like, we no. find we find out right from the start, like, she doesn't agree with him on his interpretation of the prophecies. So, yeah. like, she doesn't even have a lot in common with him in religious grounds. And, like, like you said, there's just... You don't feel a spark, and I don't think it's... No. It's not Nana Visitors acting, definitely. So that means we need to to put it on, as he called, Philip Philip Anglin or something. But, um, yeah, it's just a dull character. Um, yeah. And I don't buy the chemistry. But anyway, back on the planet then, Odo is talking to this tear again. And she uses the word changeling again. So we bring that back, right back from Vortex episode. And it's presented yes, in a, yes. sim- a similar way here, isn't it? It's like we've got stories about changelings. And yeah, and legends. And she tells a story, doesn't she? Yes. It, we only sort of hear the end of it. And it, it's kind of a changeling being a bit stupid. He turns into something and he gets eaten. And, yeah. And she she tries to get Odo to say, well, why don't you turn into a loaf of bread? And, like, you can see that that... It's sort of like an Aesop's fable, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah like, I got the impression that she that she told a fable. Yeah, it's it's you know it, they tricked it by doing like what I'm trying to think of what the one is like. Isn't the I'm sure there's something like stories where it's a mythical creature and. Um, Somebody keeps it talking all night, and the sun comes up, and it turns it into stone or something. Yeah, it's yeah, that well, sort that of story. With, uh, the trolls, the trolls, trolls in the that, Hobbit. Yeah, yeah, and um, stuff like um, Narcissus was so obsessed with his own image that he 
he saw an image of himself in the river and he tried to kiss it and he fell in. It's that sort of fable, yeah. like your own hubris um, brings about your downfall kind of thing. And I can imagine that changelings have permeated into culture to that extent and people do tell these stories about them. So, yeah, it's good. It's really good sort of world building with it. And you get a little bit of backstory with Odo as well. Like he's saying, you know, people used to always ask me to do, you know, change into things for their own entertainment. And that goes back to this Cardassian neck trick that we, we've mentioned yeah. before and we always hear about and everything. And Odo seems to like really bond with the girl and he, he promises he's going to try and find a mum and everything. Um, then he questions the granddad and you find out like the granddad's dying and he's obviously going to become a, an important character. And he acts a bit shifty when Odo's like, how come no one ever wants to leave the village? And he's a bit, ooh. So... Why would you want to leave the village? Yeah, because it's only about three foot wide. That's why. There's not much going <laughs> off elsewhere. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. It's not the the biggest mystery to kind of stumble upon, is it? Yeah. And obviously, they, and given the Jews, they don't string it out unnecessarily. We get to... No, where, it- we get to it very quickly, and I think that's why we've got a B and a C plot in this episode, because yeah. I think the A plot story is an interesting story. It is, yeah. Tell it how they are. It'd get it'd be a boring story if you made it the full forty five minutes. Maybe so. I it mean, doesn't need it doesn't need stringing along. No, it doesn't. I still think they could have done more with the mystery at the start of it, and sort of maybe yeah. played that element up a little bit more. But going back to the doctor sticking his hand out of the thing, we get a similar sort of thing here, don't we? Where the yeah the tricorder or the whatever it is disappears out of Dax's hand and everything, and Dax realizes the little girl tries putting it like Odo realizes is it Odo or Dax realizes what's happening? Yeah, yeah. And they've got the little girl with them, and the shouts stop. Yeah. And she's just about to cross over and she puts her arm through. So that's it. Obviously, people have been going beyond the border of the village and effectively deleting themselves seems yeah. to be what's well, been going on with it. Well, I don't think they have. I, I, like, I think the program not to leave the village. Uh, and I so don't you, think that's why they've, I don't think that's uh, why they've disappeared. I okay. think it's like we fight. We find out that the program's degrading, don't we? Right, so I and thought I, maybe... And I think they're just disappearing. I think they're just disappearing. Right, I think you might be right, Which actually. You- yeah, I, I had it in my head that they were they were going outside the village, but yeah, I think you're right. Um- yeah, <coughs> I, I think that the program not to want to leave the village, but I think yeah. the program de- degrading is why... Right, so they're just disappearing based on it's that, sort yeah. Of, the program said, look... Degrading, it's losing memory space, and as it loses memory space, someone disappears. Right, that makes sense. Um, back on the station, then Kira's beaten Burial at Spring Ball, probably because he want that into it to begin with, and yeah. you get this awful kissy kissy scene where, like, I know we're a family show, so we're not going to have full on tongues and you know all this stuff, but it's this ridiculous of. And they're doing this talking in between it, like, oh, I'm so glad that the Vedic so-and-so asked me to come to the station. And 
they're trying to do this thing where you get it. They're trying to move the story forward while they've got this kissing going on, and it all just seems a bit silly. But again, I think it's because he just don't look interesting at all. And no, he don't. And there's worse like, days I'm in not the being office. Funny. You, you'd be like if you got your script and you've got you kissing there now and the visitor, and then you've got to stop to say this and stop to say this. You'd be going well. Can we cross this part out where I stop? Can we cross this <laughs> yeah. part out where I stop? Yeah, there's definitely, as I say, worse days at the office, isn't there? But, but he, uh, without a doubt. But he doesn't look that interested. <laughs> um, but anyway, so she realizes it's all it basically quacks arranged for him to come there to try and keep yeah, her distracted. Yeah, the Vedic, the Vedic based on the station. Has a, a Dabo addiction. Yes, <laughs> effectively. And but Kira manages to thwart him and everything. She catches the cousin, and it appears Kira and Barail are going to be a thing going forward, which they are. Uh, but they are. Luckily, I don't think. I'm not sure if we we come across Barail again in the Dominion War. Um. Uh, y- we do have more Burial come up. Oh, good. I don't know. I don't know which episodes he's in. Right. Well, that'll so be. We a... might avoid him, but um... I know he's in it a lot more. But I'm not sure yeah. he's going to be in it before like, we we check out. But um... what before we're going to hide with nearly every episode is Dominion. Watch. That's true. Yeah, but Burial's and long you can't gone. Avoid a character. Barile's long gone by that point, thankfully. Um, yeah, so back on the planet then, they, they're going to reboot the system and they turn it off and it's the granddad's left over. So we find out that he's the only real one and he's created this whole thing because... He's an, he's an interesting fact. Mm-hmm. He, the the um, big air <laughs> contraption that they have, that's... Yeah. Creating this holographic projection in the village. I've seen that prop. I thought I had, but go it on. It was at, um, the Star Trek exhibition. In, yeah, the Star Trek exhibition in Glasgow. Oh, yeah. In the, uh, what, uh, early 90s. Yes, I went to that, yeah. There yeah. we go. We didn't go together, but no, we, I think yeah. you went a week after me or something. I think I did, but, yeah. It was... Yeah, yeah that was... Yeah, that prop was at that, that, prop was at that exhibition. It was good, was they, that exhibition? They were making a big deal of it, that... Well, it's yeah. a big prop, is that? You know, it, it is, it's huge. I know it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the granddad made it all and he was running from the Dominion, so that's where we get as Dominion link in this episode. And then... Yeah, the Dominion <laughs> invaded my planet and I didn't like them, so I left. Yeah, so I did a runner and set up my own holographic planet on this. And then he's like, oh, just leave it switched off now. And that's when Odo and um, Dax argue against it. They're like, no, the you know, you've made these people and the real people and you didn't make yeah, it, your granddaughter, you didn't program yeah, it's her. Like, yeah, and it and it, they have a fair point, they go, You created this program thirty years ago. Yeah. But Tia's only ten. Yeah. So she's a product of the program. You did not program her. She's an amalgamation of different things. Exactly. And I wonder if the Voyager writers took a bit of a cue from this when they were deciding to create the Doctor because a lot of the things the Doctor deals with 
are dealt with very quickly in this episode, and obviously the Doctor yeah. explores it in a lot more depth, but similar <coughs> sort of ideas of, you know, are they real and everything, and ultimately they decide that they are, and they decide to switch it back on, everybody's restored, and we get a nice happy ending, and Odo turns into a spinning top to, to yeah, show Taya. Yeah, he changes into something to be... To make her happy. Yeah, exactly. So it's a nice wrap-up and everything, and we get that little mention of the Dominion. So if you're keeping track at home, that's three mentions of the Dominion we've had across the the course of the system, uh, the season, rather. <laughs> and we know that the... But, well, not every time. The first time in Rules of Acquisition, we knew they were an important trading thing. But then the two other times it's been people have had to run away from their planets because of what the Dominion have done. Because Yeah, because the Dominion turned up. <laughs> so we're definitely building to something here. And next week we finally get to, to meet the part of the Dominion yeah. anyway. And if we have two other species, I think you'd say of changelings so far, because we had... Yeah, yeah. In Vortex, we had that key thing. The little amulet thing and the dead thing in the alternate. Yeah, whatever that was. I think that was Um, a dead change. We've had a few mentions of uh, people. There's a lot of fables and stories of changelings, obviously, in the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah. But it's all sort of heard about and history and a fable. It's No one's seen a changeling or... They don't know they've seen a changeling. Yeah, they don't think they currently exist, but we're going to get to all of that in a couple of weeks' time. So next week we're going to carry on with Barclay, which means jumping to Season 6 of Voyager and looking at Pathfinder, which is a great episode. Yeah, yeah, it's a big jump, but then he's in it loads after then. Yeah. Um, So he's actually in Voyager more than he's in TNG. Um, I know he is. He's in quite a lot of Voyager. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I was surprised. I'd have said maybe season four or something, if I had to guess. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's season six. And then we're going to look at the Jem'Hadar, the season two finale from DS9. So that's going to be a good one to talk about next time. Um, in the meantime, if you do want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, retrekpodgmail.com. Or you can come and join the Facebook group and let us know what you think about it all on there. And thank you for trekking with us this time, and we will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.